Hello and welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is, a show that takes a closer look at popular songs from the rock and roll era and we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. Yes, we do. My name is Claude Cole, and if you thought I wouldn't be ready this week, eh, you were wrong, but not by much. Hey, don't forget to check out the website, howgooditis.com, where you can find some stuff that I found interesting and some other stuff that doesn't necessarily uh, fit well into the podcast itself. Also, go follow and like the show's Facebook page, which has some other stuff that'll keep you busy. You can find that over at facebook.com slash howgooditispod. How Good It Is remains near the top of Podcast Republic's featured podcast. Maybe they like me because I like them so much because I was using this app before I had a podcast of my own. So it was pretty exciting to see that listing pop up. Go get Podcast Republic in the Google Play Store or you can click the button on the How Good It Is homepage. Yes, you can. So during the week, I was uh, listening to some music, as I do. And a song came on that was the big summer hit of 2017, a tune called Despacito. It was the number one song for 16 weeks, tying the record for the longest time at the top of the chart. My sunrise on the darkest day Got me feeling some kind of way Make me want to savor every moment Slowly, slowly You fit me, tell me love how you put it on Now, as it turns out, there are two versions of the song. One is by Luis Fonsi with Daddy Yankee, and it's entirely in Spanish. And the other is Fonsi and Daddy Yankee and Justin Bieber, which has this combination of Spanish and English and a mix of the two that most people will call Spanglish. But the song got me thinking about the fact that here in the United States, a hit song in a language other than English is kind of a rare bird. In fact, in the past 60 years, only seven songs have made it to the number one spot, and a few others have done well without reaching number one. And I can practically guarantee you there'll be at least one surprise in that respect. So let's go back to 1958, the first year that Billboard started charting a Hot 100. I don't know if you're going to recognize this one by the opening, but by the time Domenico Modugno gets to the chorus, you'll certainly remember the song. This song is called Nel Blu Dipinto di Blu, which is Italian for In Blue, Painted Blue, and it's essentially about a man who is so enamored with his lover's blue eyes that he dreams of flying in them as if they were the sky. Now, volare, which is how most Americans identify the song, is the Italian word for flying. And while I'm at it, cantare means singing. Nel Blu Dipinto de Blu won the San Remo Music Festival and was Italy's entry in the 1958 Eurovision Song Contest. It didn't win Eurovision, but it was hugely popular worldwide and it topped the Hot 100 for five non-consecutive weeks. It also won the first Grammy Award for Song of the Year and remains the only non-English song to do so. The song has also been covered by several American artists, usually with mixed English and Italian lyrics. Perhaps the most popular English cover is the one by Bobby Rydell in 1960, where he clearly dives right into the chorus. Come 
Rydell's version really swings, but the English lyrics really don't have a lot to do with the original uh, Italian words. Let's stick with 1958 for a bit for this track from the late, great Richie Valens. La Bamba goes back to the early 1900s, and it turns out that there are a lot of different lyrics because performers tend to improvise on this one. Richie Valens' version is basically about doing a dance called, oddly enough, La Bamba. But while we have fond memories of this song, it only peaked at number 22 on the Billboard chart. Now, the cover of the song by Los Lobos did reach number one in 1987, and it was enough for Richie Valens to get credit for having written a number one song. In 1963, this song by Kiyu Sakamoto titled Sukiyaki was the number one song for three weeks in the summer of that year. The word sukiyaki has nothing to do with the song, and the real title translates to I look up when I walk. And while it sounds kind of jaunty and upbeat, it's actually a pretty sad tune. I talked about it extensively back in episode two of this podcast, so go back and have a listen if you're curious, and we can ruin it for you, just the way we did for my wife. Let's stick with 1963, because we're up to a song that may have gained some popularity, specifically because radio stations were looking for something that sounded kind of pleasant in order that they could play. This was right after President Kennedy was assassinated, because, man, otherwise, I do not know. Dominique was uh, recorded by Janine Deckers, who was billed on the recording as the singing nun while, when she was still just a novice in a Dominican convent in Belgium. She was also known as Sœur Lille, or Sister Smile, and she actually had a string of hits worldwide for a while. But as a novice, and despite doing concerts and even appearing on The Ed Sullivan Show, she had no idea for a while how famous she was until she saw the 1966 Debbie Reynolds film about her life. She thought the film was absolutely idiotic, and it was also around this time that she left the convent because she had become unsure of her dedication. What's interesting about this song to me is if you've ever been to Catholic Mass, it's, it follows the standard like call and response in the, in the verses. So check it out. Just, just listen. Ni chameau, ni diligence, il parcourt l'Europe à pied, Scandinavie ou Provence, dans la sainte pauvreté. That's the call. Here's the response. <laughs> the story for this song, unfortunately, doesn't have a good ending. Deckers had given all of her money from her recordings to the Dominican Order that she belonged to. And by 1978, the Belgian government was saying she owed over $126,000 in taxes. And, and while the Dominicans kind of helped her out, the record label did not. And that record label got like 95% of the money. Um, anyway, it all culminated in her and her roommate committing suicide in 1985. In 1966, the Sandpipers reached number nine with this song, Guantanamera. Guantanamera. 
Guantanamera is another song that goes way back, probably to the 1920s, but this version became an international hit and reached the number nine position here in the U.S. The word Guantanamera translates to girl from Guantanamo, and what the song is about depends largely on whom you ask. In some cases, it's a girl who a man is interested in, in and, but she's got him solidly in the friend zone. In others, it's about a girl who reacted harshly to a pass being made at her, thus embarrassing the man. But either way, he's okay with it now, and he gets more pleasure from the purity of friendship. It's more of a cultural thing than a literal translation issue, and the song is a huge point of pride in Cuba. Afropop came to the United States in 1967 with Miriam Makeba's Pata Pata, which was a number 12 hit on the Hot 100. Oh, I kind of want to let this one run all the way to the end. I like it so much. Pata Pata is from the Josa language, and it means touch-touch, but it's also a dance style that was popular in Johannesburg, South Africa in the 1950s. There are two versions of the dance, one in which the male dancer crouches in front of his partner and pats her body in time with the music while he rises up, and then she's at the same time spinning around making hip circles. The other is more of a group dance situation where the men stand in a row with their hands extended out in front of them with their palms down, and the women pat each of them in sequence, which looks like the men are being frisked one by one, and then they switch places and the men pat the women down. Good, clean, sexy fun, that. The song became uh, Miriam McCabe's signature tune, and oddly enough, it was the last thing she performed before she collapsed on stage and died later that evening from a heart attack in 2008. Now, I have some memory of Pata Pata getting radio airplay when I was a small child, but I definitely remember this next song being all over the radio for a while. It's performed by a group called Mose Dades. Now, here in the United States, the song Eris 2 had been subtitled in English as Touch the Wind, which didn't make a lot of sense on its surface, given that Eris 2 translates to It's You, not Touch the Wind. But it turns out that the B side of the record is an English-language version using the same music track with English lyrics sung by Mosedades that have nothing to do with the Spanish version. And Touch the Wind is at the heart of the chorus. I actually heard one radio station playing the English version a couple of times when I was a kid, but the Spanish version was absolutely vastly more popular. Now this next one came as a little bit of a surprise to me. The surprise comes not from the fact that it was a hit, because I adore this record despite that little disco funk break that it does a couple of times, but that it was the German version that was the hit. The radio stations in my area all seem to be playing the English version, but 99 Luftballons made it to the number two position here in the United States in 1984. Now both versions have similar storylines in that a bunch of balloons are released and somehow mistaken for a threat of some kind. 
But in the German version, and in my head, the German version is vastly superior to the English, uh, a, journal, a general sends pilots up to check it out. And when they discover that the UFO that they've been sent up to look at is just balloons, well, the pilots decide to put on a show and shoot them down. But all that shooting leads border nations to get nervous and they start a war that lasts for 99 years. And at the end, the singer is walking through the ruins where she releases a single balloon. In the English version, it's a uh, it's the singer who lets the balloons loose and they're immediately taken to be missiles by a malfunctioning early warning system. And as a result, nuclear war ensues. Nana and the rest of the band didn't like the English version from day one and they've since said that it was A, too heavy-handed and B, sounds a little bit silly. In concert, based on my research, they have never performed the song in English. And for what it's worth, there's also a special edit that combines both versions, which, near as I can tell, was only played one time on the American Top 40 show back in 1984. From here, we jump to 1986 and the return of foreign language songs to the top spot on the chart. Austrian performer Falco recorded Rock Me Amadeus for his third album in the summer of 1985, and it became Falco's only number one hit in the United States. Now, the song was inspired by the film Amadeus, but otherwise has no real connection to it. The lyrics are about the life of Mozart, and while there are some elements of the song in the background that are in English, there is no English version of this song, despite the fact that there are something like 20 different remixes and edits out there. Okay, now we're starting to move outside the typical scope of the show, timeline-wise, so I'm going to give you a couple of quick hits here just to finish things out, and, and in the interest of a reasonably complete list. I'm pretty sure I caught everything here. Now, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce this, so I might be screwing this up. 1991 saw the release of uh, Sadiness uh, by Part 1, or Sadiness, by Enigma, which was a huge hit worldwide and made it to number five here in the United States. It's mostly in French, but there's a Latin portion that includes a quotation from Psalm 24. And those Gregorian vocals you hear were originally used without permission, but the German choir that originally recorded them was eventually compensated. And it was in 1996 that Los Del Rio absolutely dominated the charts with this song of the summer, Macarena, which spent 14 weeks at the top of the charts and the rest of our lives in wedding disc jockey playlists. Now, in addition to Despacito, which I talked about at the start of the show, 2017 was also the year that Jay Balvin and Willie William, with a little help from Beyonce, hit the charts with Mi Gente, which topped out at number two in October. But the all-time winner in this contest is a guy from Korea named Psy, spelled P-S-Y, 
Oh, sure, we all laughed at his goofy demeanor in the videos, and there was some eye-rolling over the overall sound. But the fact is, Gangnam Style made it to number two in the fall of 2012, and, as of this recording, has racked up 3.2 billion, that's billion with a B, downloads on YouTube. And that's not even what makes him the winner, though. The winner, what makes him the winner is that he had another hit a few months later in May of 2013 with a number five record called Gentleman. Tell you, you got to watch the video. If you watch the video, you realize that Sai is absolutely in on the joke. And what's more, he is laughing all the way to the bank. And that's it for this edition of How Good It Is. If you want to get in touch with the show, well, you can email me at How Good It Is. I'm sorry, How Good Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can follow the show on Twitter at How Good It Is Pod. You can also visit, like, and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod or you can check out the show's website howgooditis.com where you might find a few extra bits. Thanks as usual to Podcast Republic for featuring the show and next time around we're going to find out how good it is to spend some time with Barbara Ann. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you then. Hey.